Welcome to the Quilting Company Podcast. I'm Tracy Mooney, and with me in the studio today is Lori. Hi. And on Skype is Ginger Sheehy Tatic. Hi there. Welcome, everybody. How's everybody doing this week? It's great to be here. It is. This was definitely a a lovely, uh, like, oh, wow, it's already podcast time. We are going to be talking about quilting for a cause and how you can use your quilting and sewing powers for good in the universe. And um, so today I invited a, a person I've known for a few years. In our open studio segment, we're going to have Terry Grawl. She is from Enchanted Makeovers. And uh, she is going to talk to us about how sewing had a profound effect on her as she was growing up and how it um, led the cause that is now her life's calling. Um, And then we are going to be talking um, about the very controversial topic in our fine finishes of gifts that we wish we could get back. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> I think we all have those, right? Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> um, so I want to talk to you ladies in our, you know, introductory section about charities that are near and dear to your heart. And if you even have one or, or aspire to have a charity that you might want to sew for. Lori, do you have any charities that you love? I do. Actually, I'm from a very rural community where everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two places that I like to give out there before we moved to the metro area were the fire department and the police department. Okay. Um, now that we live in the city and I see homeless people everywhere, uh, one of my sons has friends who are homeless, That's that's the one that tugs at my heart oh gotcha yeah yeah no and uh, for me yeah no it's funny you would say that because i i don't know that i ever even really thought about i always thought of quilts just as gifts like i didn't think like they actually do serve a purpose you know it's like they keep you warm they're comforting and so the thought of like people going around and actually collecting them and gathering them and then giving them to people, you know, it, it kind of blew my mind. And uh, I had never even really thought about it until I started working on the APQS uh, uh, the certification course that we've got. And in that, the quilts that these instructors are making, when uh, the instructor gets them, she actually gives them away to the Linus Project, which I, or Project Linus, which mm-hmm. uh, once I went in and did some research and found out about that, it just blew me away. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? I think quilters in general are very generous people. And oftentimes the obsession with quilting sort of overtakes the amount of quilts that you actually need, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it gets kind of wild. You have no place to put anything if you keep them all yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, so, you know, it's interesting. So a few years ago, I actually learned about a charity. I was doing some writing and it was all about sewing charities. And this one came up that was called Days for Girls. And that's the a charity that I've actually donated to over the years um, and actually um, organized a, a charity sew-in. And it is, um, you should look it up, we'll put it on the, the show notes, but basically it's a group that makes um, their packages of 
how do I say this nicely? Um, <laughs> menstruation packages for girls oh. that are in um, other countries where third world third countries, world countries yeah. where they don't have access to um, feminine hygiene products. And if they even had the feminine hygiene products that we are used to, um, there's no way to dispose of them. And so they need something that's reusable and sometimes very discreet. And um, so I was actually doing an interview with the woman who created it. And I swear I was on the phone with her, first of all, for an hour and a half. And in that time, I think I cried three times. Yeah. And this was, you know. I'm I'm, I'm tearing up just hearing you. I'm I'm trying to be professional. But when you all of a sudden realize that there are people who don't even have basic, their basic needs met. So, for instance, Lori, you were talking about homeless people. I mean, think about the fact that they don't have blankets. They don't have Mm -hmm. ways to keep themselves warm or comfortable to sleep. And a thing that I, I figured out. I gave one of my son's homeless friends a quilt, and it was a lovely quilt. I mean, a really Mm. pretty one. And she put it in storage because she didn't want to get it dirty. So when we give, we need to think about things like, how are they going to use it? How are they going to launder it? Mm -hmm. Um, She would have been better off to have something that I sewed rows of charm squares together and and then she maybe would have taken it to her tent and kept warm with it. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember the first quilt I ever received. It was a baby quilt at my baby shower from one of my good friend's uh, grandmothers. And I was like, my first instinct, because it was so beautiful, was to hang it on a wall. Like, And she was like, oh, no. She was like, you need to use that sucker. And we still do to this day. So I think you do kind of have to get over that. And it's like I said, they do serve a, you know, they, they really are meant to be used for a purpose. You know, even if they are beautiful and gorgeous, um, at the end of the day, you know, they'll keep you warm. That's very true. And these are all really good points to think about as we, you know, as you embark on creating whatever it is that you want to create for a charity. Really important things and very good points, ladies. You ladies are so smart. I have another story to tell. Oh, yeah? I gave a, a quilt to a relative who was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I emailed all of our family and I said, I need wishes for her. Oh. And my quilting of the quilt was quotes from all of these emails. Oh, oh Lori. And That's she beautiful. said to me, she had a, unfortunately had a, a recurrence, and she said the first thing she did when she got home from the, oh my gosh, it's back doctor's visit was mm-hmm. get her quilt out and snuggle with it because it had all these good wishes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we need to think about when we're making charity quilts is is how to make them a little more personal mm-hmm. without without making them fancy and and a good way to do that is is quilting those good wishes mm-hmm. onto the quilt I, you just completely reminded me of a charity I had heard about years ago that made, I think they called them prayer shawls, but yes, they were yes, quilts. Yes, I've seen those. And usually it would be done at a church. And what they would do is they would have every person tie the quilt with a knot. And each knot was a prayer. And I just thought that was the most moving thing. And your idea for quilting the words and the wishes on it, oh, it's the same thing. Yeah. I mean, really, because even if you can't see what the words are, you can feel the the love that went into it, right? 
Right. Yeah. Amazing. Well, and you have to remember, too, the process of making these quilts, whether it's for somebody that you know or somebody you don't know, at the end of the day, you know, it's amazing that somebody who you don't even know can appreciate it just as much, if not more, than somebody who you do know. That's right. So I That's think keeping true. that in mind is oh, it's <clears throat> super key. <laughs> very, very true. All right, ladies, I think we'll move on next to Open Studios, where I'm going to talk with Terry Grawl. Um, so stick around and join in the conversation. All right, so now we are going to speak with the lovely Terry Grell, who's coming to us from Michigan via Skype. Welcome, Terry. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. You are from the Enchanted Makeover and Enchanted Sewing Room, correct? Um, well, that's one of our programs. Okay. But- Think of an umbrella. It's Enchanted Makeovers and then all the little programs are underneath. You have very many programs underneath, don't you? Yes. <laughs> all right. So I'm going to introduce you to Lori Baker. Lori's with me today. Hi, Hi Terry. <laughs> and um, Lori doesn't know anything about your backstory. Now, you and I have known each other for a few years now. Um, but why don't you tell Lori and our listeners all about what you do and how what your background is and how it segued into what you do now really quick in 2005 i started my own decorating business and my first client um when i went to her home i'm a flea market fanatic Mm -hmm. she was too but there was a process with that um everything was just sitting around nothing was painted in her house so I transformed her kitchen, and then she wanted me to do her guest room. There is where she started to begin to share her story about her grandmother raising her. And before I left, I said, let's name your home. So she named it High Hope. Well, fast forward a year later, her client went to her and said, there's a house on Woodward. When I go by it every day, um, there's something special. She said, tell me about it. Um, he said, well, there's a sign outside. It says High Hope. That's where she just like kind of like just exploded and said, oh, my gosh, this woman helped to heal me and heal my home. And this gentleman said, you think she'll come and paint one wall at a shelter? The shelter was for women and children. And that was December of 06. I received a phone call to volunteer my time. Wow. So it was all sort of a a, a serendipitous moment. It's it's been like that for 13 years. So tell us about when you went to the shelter and what happened. Um, Because you were reluctant, right? Yes, I was very, I mean, I share that. I'm honest that I did not want to go. I mean, I knew they would need help. And I was doing residential homes. I'm like, why am I getting this phone call? So I visited the shelter and it was January of 07. So they gave me a tour. um, And the last stop was the women's dorm. Mm-hmm. So imagine walking up these steps. It was all painted this chocolate brown. It was yeah. donated paint. Mm-hmm. The windows, the trim was chocolate brown. The door, as you push the door open, you have to use two hands. It was this metal heavy door. As I walked in, there was 30 women that sleep in this one room. There's no dividers. And um, everything was broken. Mm. Um, I asked where the beds came from. They came from a prison. The bedspreads were donated from a nursing home. Um, I said, where's the dressers? Where they're underneath the bed? They were boxed. I'm getting teary-eyed just listening to you. It was, I will never forget that. Even was 13 years ago, it's like, I feel like I'm going through it right now. Um, the walls were held together with duct tape. Oh. 
there's no, I'm all about repurposing. If I can try to bring something back to life, you know, there was nothing. Everything was broken. And I took before pictures like I would do for a client. Mm-hmm. And I I wanted to run. I bet. Because all I felt was this horrible energy in this room of how do the women go to bed just even having a dream and even wake up with hope with an environment that's working against the program because it was a one-year program. Oh, my goodness. And I took before. I told the director, I don't know if I could do anything. I left. And I said, God, why did you bring this to me? Because I want nothing to do with it. Like, who am I? I have no volunteers. There's no money. And a whole week went by. And um, at that time, there was only, you can download pictures. You didn't have your cell phone. Yeah. So I download the pictures, and they're on that mattress. That stained mattress with duct tape um, was a polka dot pillow. And it was a pillow you sleep on, but it had no pillowcase on it. And when I saw it, I heard, trust me. Well, I've always loved polka dots since I was a child. And so there it was, was your sign. Oh, yeah. When I heard, trust me, I just put my hand up in the air, and I said, I'll do it. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And um, So what did you do? I just started, and people have asked me, how did you get those donate? I said, I just went out and started sending emails. My first stop was one of the big chain stores. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. I, I went in. And I said, I need to talk to the manager. If I could, they could only hear my story. I felt like they could, they would donate. The manager rolled her chair out. She didn't even get out of her seat. Oh and said, I don't have time for you. <laughs> oh, so I went out in the parking lot. I cried. That, that, that's that nasty cry. <laughs> <laughs> the ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I wiped it away. And I said, let's go to the next store. So I would go to another store. And a customer comes first. So they make me wait two hours and mm-hmm. okay. Oh no, you have to go to corporate and get paint. I just kept going every day and I was going to be a warrior for the women. And I continued to be a warrior and be a voice for the women. And that's how it's been is emails and calls. Now we have relationships with companies. Yes. It took that many years, but I wasn't giving up. I don't care how long it would take. And you've transformed some of these homeless shelters into just adorable inspiring places i remember it should be i think any place that we're especially where we sleep it should be nurturing it should be um a safe haven a sacred place and it's a place for healing i mean the women are there for a year this isn't a 30-day stay Mm mm-hmm so your environment affects you mentally and physically. And so we're we're that piece that steps in to the shelter to stay here. This is the extra piece, just like counseling. It's, it's, right. It's wow, just, Terry, I so admire your tenacity. That's amazing that you stuck with it. And I'm now so- the result, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked about the stuff behind me, and I know the, the listeners... That I'm sitting in our national headquarters, and I know Tracy knows the journey. Mm-hmm. Yes. It took several years because we had to gut it in it's a 1926 house, and we had to redo the whole thing. And that's what it's about is, first off, I'm going to fight for her no matter how long it takes. And you got to put footsteps to your prayers. So let's not talk about it so much. Let's just keep the action and move our feet. Mm-hmm. 
keep going forward. Yeah. So so tell us about um, the Enchanted Sewing Room and how that came about. Um, what's well, called the Sacred Sewing oh, Room. Oh, sorry, Sacred Sewing Room. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, my mother, my mother has always sewn. I mean, she was always sewing. And as a child, um, I didn't know my mother babbled. She has mental illness. She has a deep depression that we call the rabbit's hole that she'll go in. And in 2011, she shared with me how a sewing machine saved her life. And that's when the program began. I mean, it has evolved into many different things. And I said, Mom, the women have to have a permanent sewing room in the shelter. That's part of their healing process, too. And that's how it started is my mother sharing. Um, you know, we've went to St. Louis, to Kentucky, to New Jersey, and set up permanent sewing. We have two here at Detroit Rescue Mission. Um, it's one of their most successful programs. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's a room within the shelter. And what yeah. are the components to it? It is set up just like, I mean, it, first off, always has to have a mural. Mm-hmm. I'm big about the whole imagination in our space of where we're creating. But it is bolts of fabric, brand new sewing machines, the best of scissors. It's This is a classroom for the women. And yes, a place for therapy and... So we want to be the most successful. So we don't, it's, how can we have, I always think of it as when you go into school, if your teacher gave you a pencil and you broke it and she said, you're never going to be able to sharpen it. Well, that's why we want the best in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So do you pair up with um, sewing manufacturers or do you sew, do you pair up with local uh, stores to, um, you know, who, who up, is in charge of the upkeep of these sacred sewing spaces? Um, well, for a lot of the ones that when we did the tour, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the companies come in from that sewing company and they do the repair of the manly. It's like a yearly um, maintenance. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but we are very open. Our arms are open to working with all sewing machine companies. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes a village. Yes. yes. So yes, we indeed. all got to work together and walk together with uh-huh. this. How many sewing machines approximately are in each of the rooms? The largest we've ever had was six. Mm-hmm. With six sewing machines. I mean, these are rooms that they're giving up to us for the program. Yes, that's a big deal. So, and yes, we have to have shelves with bolts of fabric. There's all the sewing notions. There's cutting tables. So, um, what has the response been? What is the response by the the people in the program? Well, everything the women have made, and this is what I get the feedback from the instructors, Mm -hmm. the women have given away to their families. They don't keep anything they they make. Isn't that just like like most of us, right? Amazing. And we've noticed, too, that if any, what the instructors have shared with me, the volunteers, if any woman gets done sooner than the other one, they're always there to help them. No one's left behind. And I love that. It's, that's how it should be. That is how Well, it and be. I love the part where where they have something then of value that they can give away. People in those circumstances don't have much, but they still love their families. They still love their friends. It's nice that they have a tangible way of showing that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, in our sewing program, it's not um, 
a requirement, but we ask the instructors that the women also give back to the community. And they love it. That's awesome. So, I bet. Yes. It's so empowering because you're a part of the community too. Mm-hmm. So we've never got anyone saying, no, 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 I don't want to, I want to keep it for myself. So for like St. Louis, the women gave 250 pillowcases they made to their local hospital. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So in Detroit. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. And they didn't want a little gold. They wanted big. So <laughs> for Detroit, it was bibs for teen moms at Genesis One at Detroit Rescue, the women made. But they also made dresses for girls in Africa. So they're also learning a skill. It's therapy. They're providing for their family, but they're also giving back. Yes, that's amazing. All right. So what can our listeners do for you? Tell us a little bit about a few of the ways that quilters and sewists can donate items or or products or things what do you need um well the first thing is is we're all we're 100 percent volunteer the nonprofit. every one of us so we're always in need of monetary but mm-hmm. the second thing is is twin size quilt okay um baby quilts and um prayers i'll we'll take any prayer okay <laughs> you got it <laughs> And really, to any of your listeners, when it goes to any, you know, sewing companies, if you're listening, reach out to us. You know, it takes a village. Um, it comes to thread, scissors, all that stuff. Just reach out. Okay. You know, we need your support. And in our show notes section, we'll have contact information for yes. Terry. Yes, we will. So on quiltingcompany.com slash podcast under the show notes for this episode, which uh, our title is Quilting for a Cause, um, you will see links to all of the things we've discussed in this episode, including links to Terry Grail's um, many different, well, I guess we'll say your umbrella, um, but then also all of the different things we've discussed. So Terry Grail, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it a lot. We've learned a lot. Check back with us soon. I will. Thank you, lady. Well, now we're going to talk about that uncomfortable subject of when you give a quilt away and then you wish you had it back. (laughs) I gave a quilt a number of years ago to a young couple as a wedding present, and when I heard that they were separating... I was absolutely appalled that my first thought was, oh my gosh, what happened to the quilt? Mm. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? But that was what oh, I, I thought. Know. I know. So who got it? Who got the quilt? Actually, the young man who was my son's friend got the quilt. Nice. All right. That's good. Oh, that's good. Yes. All right. Phew. But, but, you know, sometimes we give things away and... And then we see them being used and treated like something very ordinary. And we've spent hours. And part oh, yeah. of it is that that I don't, I, I want my, my time valued. I want my gift appreciated. But then I also have to think that I gave that to that person. And when I gave it to them, it's not mine anymore. 
That's true. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it's so true. funny. You just reminded me at Christmas, uh, my husband's grandmother, um, I love her to death, but she is not the easiest person to get along with. She is so just picky about every little thing, but she loves to sew. She was a, um, a seamstress and a, and a tailor when she, uh, back in her day. And so when I got into sewing, oh, it got me in good with her. And so I started <laughs> quilting. And I had done this one. It was a pattern that I had found. And um, it was these beautiful pieced um, Japanese lanterns. And oh my God, I was so proud of it. I absolutely loved it. And um, I showed it to her. And she was like, oh, it's beautiful. It's great. She had such a reaction. I was like, do you want it? And she was like, oh yeah, I would love to take it. So when we went back at Christmas... She had it folded up and she had like a little like it was like her little TV that she had next to her and it was just sitting underneath the TV and that was it. So she was like using it to prop up that. And I was like, oh, that's Uh, it. That's all you're doing. Like my heart just kind of kind of broke just a little. So I know what you mean. It's like, oh, okay. I was really not thinking that's what you were going to do with it. But hey, if that's what you need, it's serving, you know, (laughs) the purpose she needs it for. But yeah, it kind of broke my heart a little. I (laughs) bet. Imagine. Okay, so I was on Facebook, and I'm going to try to be as vague as possible, but a friend of mine uh, posted that uh, she got a call from a friend that she had made a quilt for, and they they wanted to give her the quilt back and have her give it to someone else so that um, she could make them a king-size quilt instead that actually fit their bed. You guys should see Ginger is sitting there with her mouth hanging open, <laughs> literally. I can't I'm imagine like, oh, having the, the audacity to do that. Oh, oh my the, gosh. They, obviously, they have no idea. Yeah. I mean, first yeah. of all, n- not even the amount of time that it would take mm-hmm. to make a king-size quilt. But the expense. I mean, yes. really, yeah. when you think yes. about it, I mean, how many hundreds of dollars does it cost to make a quilt? And she said that she made them a very generous twin size quilt. To start with, that was a gift, which, you know, in my opinion, that's, that's a lovely, really nice gift. That's a nice gift. You can snuggle under it on, on the couch. Yep. You know, it can comfort you when you're feeling sick. All these things like that. Oh. But obviously, they just thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just have a king size? That'd be great. I can't imagine. I really <laughs> no. can't imagine. Oh. So, so when do you, you know, is there any way to to forecast? Okay, I actually <laughs> was thinking about that, and I have an acquaintance whose house is decorated with brocades and velvets. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to make her a quilt. <laughs> she wouldn't like it. That's not how yeah. she decorates. Not unless you're into crazy quilting or something like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. so sometimes, you know, that's a hint. Um I had, you know, it's interesting because I just ha- had a memory as you as you thought of that because I-, I was thinking about all of the times I've made quilts for people and they've specified what color they want it to be, oh. if they know it, which, you know, sometimes it's not your palette. Right? Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so my mother-in-law, bless her heart, <laughs> asked me, I think it was probably about two years ago now, to make a quilt. And, and I agreed. And then she proceeded to send me swatches oh. of her <laughs> new couch fabric and asked me to match it perfectly. 
And I just thought, you've got to be kidding me. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> got well, so the, the oh. funny thing was she sends this, this fabric, and it looked like cream of tomato soup. Can you think of that okay. color? That got sort it. of orangey okay. red. Yeah. It's like hideous. Well, it's not <laughs> yeah. hideous. Uh, honestly. So that's the color that comes in. I think, what are the chances I am ever going to find a fabric that matches this? That. And the very next day, I get an email from Connecting Threads, and they've got a <gasps> new collection with twalls and all this, and it looks like it's almost the same color, but it's on my oh, screen. Wow. So you can't right? tell So I can't even sure. tell for sure. So I ordered a yard of each of the fabrics and prayed. And when it mm-hmm. came, it matched perfectly. Oh, it was destiny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's why I finally make the quilt, and I did an in-the-hoop pattern, so I mean, each each block took 14 minutes to stitch out, and then you had to do the quilt as you go. Right. So it took hours and hours and hours. Uh, and I finally gave it to her, uh, I think probably two Christmases ago, and and then hoped for the best. And I thought, and the first email I get from her was, this is really kind of stiff. What do I do? Oh, and I no. just thought, okay, okay, all right, breathe. And and so I just told her, I said, okay, go out. And I told her to get the, um, I hadn't washed the fabric, so I told her to get those mm-hmm. color wash, you know, right. those little, mm-hmm. I forgot what they're called, the shout sheets. And told her to wash it and use those. And mm-hmm. um, and then it should soften up. And I'd used wool batting, so it should, and, it, and so oh. it worked. It actually did. Didn't hear anything. And then we went to visit at Christmas time this year. And not only was it on her recliner that she sits in every single day it looked so used and i had made her a matching pillow and the pillow was completely squished and i thought nice hey. nice <laughs> this ended up better than i thought it would <laughs> oh. Well, I kind of redeemed myself with my husband's grandmother because at Christmas, this past Christmas, I actually um, had gotten all this beautiful fabric. Um, You know, at work, we get free fabric a lot of times. And so when they were cleaning out the closet, I had gotten this blue batik. And I was like, you know what? I think that might actually work great for her. And uh, so I whipped it all together. You know, it turned out wonderful. I was so happy with it. She opened it up, absolutely loved it, put it on her bed. It is actually still on her bed to this day. But... (laughs) I don't know how many times she has referred to me like, I'm so glad you didn't do that in blue. Um, the green really looks great in my in my room. Oh, so funny? to this day, she still thinks it's green and it's blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my funny. goodness. I love it. But it's funny. I, I think blue and green, like there's that like sort of range that mm-hmm. where they sort of cross over a little bit teal. Everybody sees it differently. Yep. Yeah. It's hey, no, I'm not telling her. It's not because she's not going to hear it from me. That's for sure. <laughs> I remember years ago I made um, a doll for one of my sister's children. And actually, I need to say she was my stepsister. So we don't (laughs) know each other terribly well Mm -hmm. at this point in time. We do now. I love her dearly. But but back then, I, I, I didn't quite get her. And I made a little doll and had a matching dress and little blanket and... They weren't into that sort of thing. It was really, really obvious when the oh, little yeah. girl opened her present that oh, no. that was really a marginal no. present. Oh, no. Oh. And when that sort of reaction happens, it's it's okay. I mean, 
I'm not resentful or anything, but the next time I needed to buy a present for that little girl, it it was a bought mm-hmm. present. Right, yes. yes. Um, and I think there's a time with all of these sorts of things where you just go buy them a nice set of towels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, no. You know, I think it's true. You also just need to let go. You know, yes. I remember hearing like terrible stories about as, as I was you know, not becoming quilter and I would read stories or, you know, hear from other quilters that I knew about they had made a, a quilt for a baby and then didn't want the quilt to be used. And I think there's something to be said for making a gift and letting go and being okay that the baby's going to throw up on it. You know, I mean, that's going to happen. And you can't just get all upset if they wash it and love it. Um, Just like you can't get upset if they put their TV on it. I know. Yes. A little bit, you know. Well, but I know the first thing I ask every time I ever see anybody I made a quilt for is, hey, is it still together? Is it still? (laughs) Because I'm fairly new to this. So, hey, I figure if it lasts a year and it hasn't completely come apart, I did a great job. Yes, that's true. Well, guys, it's been great fun talking to you. I know that some of you out there listening have wonderful stories to tell about Mm -hmm. your quilts, your gifts. Sometimes they go wrong. We'd love to hear from you. Facebook, iTunes, wherever you're listening to us, do a comment. We'd be lo- we'd love to have a chance to read what you have to say. Oh my gosh, yes. Because yes. I know everybody's got stories. Oh like yeah. That. <laughs> Can't wait to hear them. Yes. So thank you guys. Well, thanks Lori. Thanks Ginger. Thanks for having me again. You I'm bet. looking forward to coming back soon, I hope. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Quilting Company podcast. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today by visiting our show notes page at quiltingcompany.com slash podcast. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. This podcast is produced by F&W Media Studios. Our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.